You are listening to the Bridge Community Church Podcast out of Warrington, Virginia. Our church exists to connect you to God, others, and the marketplace. For more information, you can visit us online at bridge4life.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you are blessed by today's message. And today we're going to continue on in the series on the Gospel of Luke. And uh, you probably have noticed uh, some of the things that we've done this morning has cut into the preaching time. But here's the thing. I will talk fast if you'll listen fast. Okay, that's good. So would everybody stand for the reading of the word today? And we're going to read a short passage out of Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. You'll probably sort out what the message is focused on today. Let's read. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. The Holy Spirit, I pray that you would use the word today to grow, develop us. We pray that it influences our morals, our values. We pray that it influences our character, our commitments, our priorities. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Be seated. So obviously by talking about a little bit on the Lord's Prayer, that's what we're looking at today is the topic of prayer. And I'm going to share why that's so critical and important. Because one of the things that we've been doing in the Gospel of Luke is showing you his major themes. And one of those major themes that you have in the Gospel of Luke is his emphasis on prayer. In his Gospel, Luke mentions prayer 26 times. Now, you probably didn't know that because it's not written in a way that we would be picking it out. You know, the way we're organized in American culture and we're taught to think and observe we're used to, you know, if it's a priority, we like to see it all condensed down, right? But in the Gospel of Luke, it's spread out. It's actually, he mentions prayer 26 times. Now, he also wrote the book of Acts right after the book of Luke. And so he continues on and he mentions prayer 34 times in the book of Acts. So in his two books, Luke talks about or mentions prayer 60 times. How many would say he's definitely trying to show us something, right? And the reason I bring that up is this. I, when my dad would bring something up to me when I was a kid, I knew by the third time I better listen. I can't even imagine my dad getting to 60 times. I, I don't think I could have survived my dad getting to 60 times. So obviously this is a real significant thing. But again, because of our culture, we're kind of, we're deluded to in our, in, our, in our ability to see it and absorb the importance. So that also tells you this is super important that he would devote so much of his writings in both, both these books and have prayer being dispersed and, and, and mentioned. So let me just say this. This might surprise you a little bit, but I, I'll stand behind it. Outside of salvation, one of the most important things I can do as a pastor is to teach you how to pray. 
Now, you may be a little surprised. You may have thought, well, being a pastor, he'll probably say, the most, outside of salvation, one of the most important things pastors can do is teach your people to tithe. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm, that's not me. I, I, I'm not going to say it's not a good expression, but I would say right behind salvation comes prayer. Because it is in, in the, the book of Luke, and I'm going to bleed over a little bit into the book of Acts, shows us that our ability to pray is the gateway to the activity of God among us. So when, when prayer is bottlenecked, the activity of God is bottlenecked. That's what he's showing us in, the, in his two books of the Bible that he wrote. So here's, a little th here's four things I'm going to answer. And some of you are going to say there's no way pastor can answer four questions in the allotted time left today. And so let me just say this. How many will give me an extra five minutes this morning? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. Yeah, I can get it in. Yeah, yeah. I'll get it in. <laughs> there were people who did not lift their hand. They knew what was coming on that one. So I'm going to answer this. How do you explain what prayer is? Hey, Jesus' uh, disciples, the ones who asked this question, were not religiously oriented. They were fishermen. Now, maybe you could make a good case for Matthew as a tax collector who was raised in a pastor's family. You know, he's a Levite. But other than Matthew, the other 11, you can't say that they were orientated towards prayer. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't pray, but I'm sure there was a night or two Peter was fishing and he didn't stand out there in the middle of the night trying to fish and going, come on, Lord, you can cough up a few fish tonight. Because I know there's men and women in this room, you have prayed when you fished. And I know there's people in this room have, who have prayed while they hunted. God, it's a cold morning. I've been out here for three hours. Surely one of your creatures is available for dinner tonight. Okay? But I'm just saying, as far as making it an integral part of life and, and, and make... Jesus didn't, didn't take a bunch of people who had, a, who had religious training, other than, like I said, other than Matthew... The others were not, you know, they weren't oriented. So Jesus had the same obstacles. How do you communicate to people like this the importance of prayer when prayer is so far removed from their daily life? And then so we're also going to look at this. How do you explain the importance of prayer? Why do it? I mean, everybody, anybody who's a follower of Christ will say, well, yeah, we ought to pray. But we have a hard time articulating the importance. And then we have, how do you explain how to pray? Like, how do you actually do it? Like, what do you say? I've often talked to people who said, can you help me develop my prayer life? Because I have it all said in 30 seconds. And I'm just not sure what to do after that. After I ask God for what I want, I'm not sure what else I'm supposed to be saying in this dialogue thing, this dialogue called prayer. And how do you explain what prayer does? See, I think if we get there, what does prayer do? Then we'll, we'll understand what we ought to be incorporating into prayer. So first of all, let's look at this. How do you explain what prayer is? Well, very simply, let me just tell you this. Prayer is talking with God. But more importantly is this. Notice what Jesus said in the passage we read. He said to them, when you pray, say what? Father. Father. He doesn't say, Lord God Almighty, which he, he's all those things, and we can read in the scripture. But what he tells us is this. Talk to him as if he's your dad. Well, many of you in this room, 
know what that's like to have a dialogue with a father. Some of you are dads and you understand what that dialogue is like. And there is no expectation that the child has an eloquence of speech. You know, as the child is talking, hopefully you don't do this. You know, that was incorrect English that you used. You used the preposition in the wrong phrase there, son. What, we, what do we do as a dad? What do we do as a father? We try to pick up the gist of the conversation of what they're saying. That's what's important to us is, what is this child trying to say to me? They may not have the best vocabulary, the best English, you know, they may not, but the point is I can pay attention enough that not only do I listen to what they say, how many know the body posture and such tells you a lot about what they're saying. If your child's talking to you and there's tears streaming down in their face, how many know you probably need to perk up more than you're used to? You also know that when a child's talking and they're happy and they're joyful and they're laughing and they're going, Dad, you got to listen to this. Dad, you got to listen to this. Dad, you got to listen to this. And you're like, I need to find out why they're so happy. You see, talking with God is understanding I'm having a conversation with my father and I don't have to have all the eloquence of speech. I don't have to be perfect in everything. In fact, I will tell you this, just as a father helps a child, are you, are you trying to tell me is this? And the child, well, yeah. Can I tell you, God's the same way he'll help you. God's not going to critique you. God's not going to judge you on how you're conversing. God just wants to have a conversation. The second thing that I said I would answer is this. How do you explain the importance of prayer? There are two things, scriptures here, one of them in Luke. And I'm actually going to use another verse in Acts because Luke wrote the book of Acts. So let me show you why the importance of prayer. Everybody read this verse with me. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. This is where Jesus flipped the tables over. And some people struggle with the fact that Jesus flipped tables over. And, and so how do you not say that Jesus didn't lose control of his temper? Let me tell you what was going on there. There was a courtyard for Gentiles to come and pray. pray. And then there was a courtyard for Jewish women to come and pray. And then there was another courtyard for Jewish men to pray. And then the final courtyard was dedicated to where the priest would be. And they would do the sacrifices and the prayers for the people who came. These, these shop owners had basically created a flea market in the Gentile court. And so the Gentiles really didn't have much of a territory, if any at all, to pray. They were literally trying, they were coming to the house of God, and so many businesses had been set up in their court to pray. Gentiles couldn't pray. And Jesus doesn't like the fact that people are being denied the ability to pray. How many know that should make God angry? And so, so here's what Jesus says. He says, my house will be a house of prayer. Notice this. He did not say it should be known as a house of worship. I'm okay with worship. It's good that we do worship. But Jesus didn't say it was supposed to be a house of worship. He didn't say it's supposed to be a house of preaching, teaching. I'm okay with preaching, teaching. It's a good thing that we preach and teach. But in the end, what's the activity that Jesus says should be happening at his house? It's what? Prayer. Prayer. So this is why we have this window in the middle of the service where we say it's time to praise him for who he is. It's time to ask God for this. The reason we dedicate that time to prayer is because we can teach you a lot of things, but if we don't teach you how to pray, we have failed miserably. Because that's what he wants his house to be known for is prayer. 
He's, he's so committed and it's so powerful. Now you jump into Acts chapter 6. The administrative responsibilities of the church have become taxing, has become challenging because of the growth. And it tells us in, in the beginning of Acts chapter 6 that he, uh, the, the widows and the orphans, were some of them were being missed in the daily distribution of food. And they started to complain because the church had grown so fast that it had outgrown its administrative uh, structure. I want you to watch to see what the apostles said here. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So let me just point this out. One of the things that I have to guard against is this. I can get so busy doing church administration that I'm not ready to say anything on a Sunday. And let me tell you, when you're up on a platform all by yourself like this, that can be a tough day. So one of the things that I guard in my schedule is to make sure I set aside study time. And by the way, you don't do this in an hour. And I don't order the stuff online. <laughs> I write my stuff. I research it. I need time. And so sometimes people will say, do you have time for an appointment? And I will say this phrase, my schedule is full. I did not say it was full of people. I said it was what? Full. Full. Why? Because I can't neglect the fact that I have to have something to say when I show up. Or it's a long day for me and a really longer day for you. And, and everybody said, thank you, pastor. All right. Okay. So this is, the, this is what they are. The administration is starting to crowd their time to be able to be ready for things. And so, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Do you notice they understood the value of being able to pray for the church? Because it was the prayer that was producing the opportunities. Stop praying, lose opportunities. Keep praying, create opportunities. One of the disciplines that I have in my life, I don't think I didn't share, I shared this in the first service, and I think it's actually the first time I've ever shared it publicly, and it's this. One of the disciplines that I have on a personal level is this. Everybody wonders, like, I wonder how many hours the pastor gets up like, does he get up at 4 a.m. and pray to 6 a.m.? No. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. Well, I wonder how he prays for the church. Well, I have my morning time. But one of the things is this. I'm praying for the church all day. Because sometimes, you see, I have a lull between appointments. There might be 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And I'm usually, I'm usually out in the marketplace somewhere. And so one of the things that I'll do is when I get in my vehicle, if I show up 15 minutes early, I stay in my vehicle and I pray for the church. Sometimes it's time to leave that place and go to another appointment, and I recognize, hey, I'm either going to, I'm, I'm 15 minutes ahead. I'm, I, I can either stay here and pray 15 minutes and then drive to the next appointment, or I can drive in the next appointment, arrive early and pray 15 minutes and then get out of my car. No, I'm not always doing email and text. I'm, I'm literally praying for the church throughout the day, and I'm just saying, God, you know where all your people are today, and you know what they're up to, and you know who's in a challenge right now. And I don't know their names, but I don't have to know their names for you to do a work in them right now. So if I have, if there's somebody in our congregation who's in a crisis right now, just be there. 
be what they need right now. Touch their life. God, if there's somebody who's facing a dark moment, be there. Touch their life. See, prayer, and by the way, did you know that you can do the same thing? It's not like, I need to block out that hour. I'm not going to say you shouldn't be blocking out a time that's consistent, but I'm also saying you need to know how to salt your entire day with prayer and be able to pray for what is unfolding in that minute, that moment. And I've, many, I've told you many times here before, the other thing that I use as my prayer guide is my calendar. I pull up my daily events. Who do I meet today? Where do I have to be? What meetings do I have to attend? And I pray over every one of those. I use, I use my calendar as my prayer agenda. Jesus, be there. I don't know what the conversation is going to be. Or, hey, Jesus, I do know what the conversation needs. How many have ever had those meetings? You start praying three days before, four days before, you know. You know. And so it's the ability, like I said, it's the ability to understand this. Prayer is what creates opportunity. And by the way, I think many of you know that the American church is struggling spiritually, right? Maybe it's because we preach, we worship, but we're still not praying. Maybe it's the fact that we've come up with everything else so that we don't have to pray. And yet, if you read the book of Luke and Acts, they understood if we don't pray, nothing happens. Eventually, without prayer, the preaching goes hollow. Without prayer, the worship becomes entertainment. I thought that was really good. <laughs> Next question. So how do you explain how to pray? Well, you notice here one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said, when you pray, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I don't have time to break that whole passage down. But one of the elements that I want to highlight here is this. Most of us are good in this room with that prayer, except that phrase, hallowed be your name. When's the... When's the time that you've ever used the word hallowed? I mean, it's just sort of an awkward word. It, you know, it, if, if, you, if you walked up to somebody and said, well, greetings to you today and hallowed be your name. They would go, what? what? My name what? And even when you repeat it, they're not going to know what you mean by that. It's one of those words that really catches us. And the word hallowed means this. It means to have blessed. It means to hold in reverence. But it also incorporates the word blessed. So basically he's saying, Father, blessed be your name. How many have seen that in the Psalms before, right? So let me take you back to how we do our prayer in the middle of service. This is the element that we're trying to teach here is that particular passage. It's this. We need to bless his name as much as we're asking for it. So we're saying this in the middle of the service. Today it was Pastor Malik who did the prayer point. And we always try to put the prayer points associate with what we're singing. So we're not parachuting some phraseology in that's like, what does that have to do with We always take the prayer points out of the song that we're currently singing. What does this tell us about God? And so you'll see some of the phrases. But here's the thing. We want to praise him as much as we're asking him. 
And so that's why we say, hey, all of us are responsible to do this. That's why we turn off the microphone. Because we know that if we pray, you listen. We're, we're not wanting you to listen. We're wanting you to participate. We're wanting you to do that. We're wanting you. So we say we're going to shut off our microphones. And I'm not praying for you. I'm praying with you. And I know for some people it's an awkward moment. Good. As I've said before, I only have two things at church that I do. I comfort the afflicted and then I afflict the comfortable. But it's like going to a gym when you start a new exercise. You know, it's a new piece of equipment or a new exercise. And you feel totally uncoordinated, embarrassed. You're looking around to make sure that nobody has a phone up and is recording you. Because the last thing you want to do is become Facebook humor. Hey, I was at the gym. Look at this guy. Nobody, how I many know, nobody wants to be that guy at the gym. But part of getting in shape is learning new movements that are not comfortable. That's part of it. It helps you to use muscles that you've not developed. That's part of the process is getting yourself doing things that at times are just awkward, but you know that you need to do it. Because you look around the gym and you go, man, everybody else is making it look so easy right now. And that's part of the process. So I say that as well. We have a responsibility to help you develop your prayer life. We are not bringing you to the bridge to sit there and listen to our eloquence of prayer. No, we're here to say it's time to pray. Pray, all of us. And everybody said amen. amen. So the last couple things, we'll see how long I need to get through all this. Some of you are scared at this very moment. What does that mean? Here we go. How do you explain what prayer does? I'm going to go through these rather quickly. And when I say quickly, it's not that I'm reading them fast. I probably won't develop them, but I think they speak for themselves. So I'm going to go into the book of Luke, and we're going to say, we're going to show you how he inserted prayer in the phrasing and what activity of God that it revealed. Is everybody with me? We don't, like I said, because it's not written with, from an American perspective, we don't see it. But as I pointed out, you'll begin to see what he's trying to show us. When you pray, this is what happens. So let's begin. First of all, when we go into uh, Luke chapter 1, prayer facilitates divine revelation. It says that Zechariah was at the temple praying, and people were praying, and an angel showed up. It does not say an angel showed up and then he prayed. That's a no-brainer. Come on, how many know? If an angel shows up, you're like suddenly holy. Okay? And by the way, always ask if it's Gabriel or Michael. Gabriel is the one who shows up and says, good news. Michael is always sent when there's judgment. He has a sword. So you might want to duck if it's Michael. Okay? Michael doesn't bring good news. Michael brings judgment, okay? Because I've had a person or two say, yeah, Michael the archangel showed up. I said, and you're still standing. Because he doesn't have anything good to say. He's, he's bringing God's judgment. And so we read here, he prayed, and then there was an angelic visit. How many times have people said, man, I need God to show up? Well, it would help if you pray. Sometimes we talk more than we pray. 
Okay, number two, prayer facilitates divine appointments. We've all heard this phrasing. There's no substitute for being in the right place at the right time with the right person. And everybody wants to know how to make that happen because a minute earlier you would have missed it, a minute later you would have missed it. There's no substitute for God just putting you in the right place, right time, and there was the person. And here we have it in Luke chapter 2 with the prophet Anna. It says that she was there and that she was, was praying and fasting day and night. And because of that, Jesus is brought to the temple to be dedicated. And because of her prayer and fasting, God enables her to see the Messiah. Prayer and fasting opened the door for her to have divine revelation. She was in the right place at the right time and saw the right person. And by the way, it tells you that she was 84 years old. You do realize that the majority of people never saw age 40. Most people never survived beyond age 40 back in her day. And here God has kept her alive for 80, 84 years. And because of her devotion, God says, I'm going to have you in the right place at the right time, and you're going to see the right person. He's going to be Jesus. Number three, we read in his book that he wrote, Luke chapter 3, verse 21 through 22, that prayer ushers in new dimensions of the Holy Spirit. And I'll be speaking on this next week in a, in a more broad fashion. But again, familiarity of the story causes us to lose a point that Luke is making here. He says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was what? Whoa. We all just think it was baptism and here comes the spirit descending as a dove. That's not what Luke says. Luke says Jesus got baptized and he was what? Praying. Heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Wow. So if I need new dimensions of the Holy Spirit in my life, then one of the disciplines I have to have is prayer. Isn't this interesting? Jesus, the Son of God, had a dimension of the Holy Spirit that had not opened up to him until he was baptized and praying. That'll stretch your theology. But there's no other way to translate that. That God has us all, even Jesus was on a journey to discover God's will and do God's will. Do you all see that? A new dimension of the Holy Spirit even came to Jesus' life when he was praying and was baptized. How much more do you think we ought to be doing that? Okay, some of you are still pondering that. Number four, we read that prayer helps us in selecting leaders. In Luke chapter 6, he shows us, he says this. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated as apostles. So Jesus prayed before he chose his disciples who were going to become later the apostles. So one of the things that is imperative for us is to pray before we select leadership. One of the things that we need to know is that we need to be, some people need to do a little more praying before they vote. Now see, I can already tell you what's coming my direction. You want to hear it? 
I'm going to have conservatives. I don't appreciate the fact that you said that because you're indicting my, my, my person. And then I'm going to have some liberals who are going to say, I don't appreciate the fact that you were late. And I'm going to say, that's great. I made both of you mad. That was my goal. <laughs> because both need Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So hallelujah if I upset you a little bit. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to have a great nap this afternoon. <laughs> but no, part of that is, hey, God, you know the heart of a person. You know the heart of a man. You know the heart of a woman before they come into leadership. Hey, God, you, are, you already know what guides their heart, guides their decisions. Maybe I ought to do a little less research on the Internet and do a little more research in my prayer. Okay, point number five. <laughs> Praying helps others to learn how to pray. Notice the disciples in, in, in Luke chapter 11 asked Jesus to show them how to pray because they heard him praying. And again, it comes back to that ability for us to pray out loud. We're not competing with one another. But it's so ironic that in the Christian circles, we actually expect people to know how to pray, and then they don't hear anybody to know how to pray. And so one of the dynamics that I've heard here at the bridge as we have always said, hey, it's time to lift our voice, let's pray out loud. On occasion, I get this said to me. One of our young people or one of our young adults will come to me and say, Pastor, I know you push this all the time. I know you say this all the time. But I just want to validate what you say, that we need to hear people pray, because it's so weird to our generation to do that. But they'll say, this morning I was standing, and there was a lady behind me. I don't know who she is. Man, that woman could pray. And I learned so much in 60 seconds just listening to her. And my takeaway, Pastor, was, I want to pray like her. Or, Pastor, I was standing in service today, and there was a guy two seats over on my left. Pastor, that guy knows how to pray. I, 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 don't, I just usually stand there when you say to do it. But I could hear what this guy was saying. And it, that guy knows how to talk to Jesus. I said, well, who was it? I don't know. I didn't get his name. But as a result of that, I want to, I want, Pastor Greg, I want, to, I want to pray like that guy. I understand what you're saying. I said, I'm telling you, if you get exposed to that week in, week out, every weekend, every Sunday, you hear it over and over in different personalities. You start to go, you know what? I think I know why the bridge is what it is. These people know how to pray, and I would like to be one of those. I don't want to be the one who knows how to have a Bible study on prayer, but when it actually comes down to doing it, I don't know how to do it. Can I tell you, one of the reasons we pray out loud is it helps the people around us go, oh, that's how you do that. Oh, that's, that's how you say it. It's like singing. You can only sit there for so long and listen to worship. The only way you learn to worship is worship. You can't learn to sing. And not open your mouth. You got to engage. You got to you, you got to participate. Prayer is the same way. And the last thing that I'll tell you is this: prayer brings divine clarity and strength. He shows this with Jesus in the garden. 
before he was about to be betrayed and then crucified. He withdrew, meaning Jesus, withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Not my will, but your will be done. Let me just say it's okay to tell God, I don't particularly like where this is going. Is there any chance you could change the momentum? Has ever, anybody ever said it? Maybe not as that way, but you've all said, hey, if you're open for a new direction, you got my vote. <laughs> Jesus said, if there's a way that I don't have to drink this cup, I'm open to it. But if the only way through this is I got to drink it, we're doing it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes God says there's one way and this is the way it's going to happen and you're going to have to drink it. But notice this, an angel, so he got direction, he got clarity. I got to do this. Notice this, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened. It's often missed in the story when Jesus was in the garden that an angelic being showed up and strengthened. Can I tell you this? When you pray, God shows up. He brings clarity. He brings direction. He brings strength. Listen, I didn't even touch on this, but God brings healing. God's faithful. Prayer is the door for the activity of God in so many arenas. It all starts there. And yet it's the most difficult thing for us to settle down and even do for 10 minutes. I'm here to tell you, there are so much is on the other side of the doorways of life. And if you praise or if you pray, you might be amazed that when God swings open the door, you go, oh man, if I'd have known that, I'd have been on Monday. I, it's like, right. But you know what faith is? You ready for this? You know what faith is? Faith means you go first. It's not faith if God shows everything. You're oh, well, in response to all that, I'm going to. No, faith means you go first. You pray. And then let's see what God opens the door, what's on the other side. And everybody said amen. amen. Let's everybody stand at this time. Would you do that? Come on. Here we go. 60 seconds. Praise him for a God who opens doors when you pray. Come on, man. 60 seconds. Can you praise him that he's a God who opens doors when you praise him, when you ask? Come on, we can do 60 seconds. It ought to be as loud in here with our prayer as it is when we sing. Come on, man. Lift your voice today.